Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Well, I got a message for us this morning, and I believe God's going to speak to us. Um, We're grateful for all of you who are here today and those of you who are tuning in online. I am, uh, once again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us in worship today. I believe the Lord wants to say something to us. I'm going to read. uh, We got a good amount of verses to read. And I, wanna, I want you to see something uh, ahead of time because I want you to join in with me when you find it and when you see the theme throughout the verses that we're reading today. There is a theme in the verses. Uh, it might read different from yours because I'm reading from the Passion Translation. You can see it on, uh, on the screen. But once you find the theme... I want you to join me in the theme, okay? It shouldn't be too hard. (laughs) Y'all looking like, you're going to make us figure this out, huh? Thought I was going to church. Uh, Matthew 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17 says this. This is the scroll of the lineage and birth of Jesus, the anointed one, the son of David, and descendant of Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac, who had a son named Jacob, who had a son named Judah. He and his brothers became the tribes of Israel. Judah and Tamar had twin sons, Perez and Zephrah, Zephrah, whatever his name is. Perez had, whatever his name is, Perez had a son named Hezron, who had a son named Ram. I'm glad we ain't naming our children all these random names. Who had a son named Aminadab, who had a son named Nashum. Y'all figured out the pattern yet? Who had a son named Salmon, who, along with Rahab, had a son named Boaz. Boaz and Ruth had a son named Obed, who was the father of Jesse. Jesse had a son named Jehoshaphat, verses 8 through 9, babe, who had a son named Joram, who had a son named Uzziah, who had a son named Jotham, who had a son named Ahaz, who had a son named Hezekiah. I can say that one. Who had a son named Manasseh, who had a son named Amos, who had a son named Josiah. I know I sound like a broken record right now. Y'all like, geez, y'all, 
<laughs> who had a son named Josiah, who was the father of Jeconia, who was the father of Jeconia. It was during the days of Jeconia and his brothers that Israel was taken captive and deported to Babylon. About the time of their captivity in Babylon, Jeconia had a son named, I'm not even going to try that, who had a son named Zerubbabel, who had a son named Abuid, who had a son named, I'm not going to try that one either, who had a son named Azor, who had a son named Zadok, that's a cool name by the way, who had a son named Akim, who had a son named Eluid, who had a son named Elysia, whatever the name is, who had a son named, I thought they said Manhattan for a minute, I was going to say, wow, who had a son named Mathen, or Mathen, who had a son named Jacob, who was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was called the Anointed One. So from Abraham to David, there were 14 generations. And from David to Babylonian captivity, 14 generations. And from Babylonian captivity to Christ, 14 generations. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to say this morning. I pray that you speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. My, my message title and my assignment today is to is titled Generationally Prevailing. Generationally Prevailing. And we've been in this series on called We Prevail, and we've been talking about how we how we grow in influence and how we are to influence the world around us and impact the world around us and make great change in the world that we've been uh, sent to. Amen? And the first week, we talked about how we prevail in our habits. We talked about the habits that set us up for success. How I many of you know, I don't care how much money you have, if you've got bad habits, you will still not be successful. Come on, somebody. Don't y'all be quiet to hear me this morning, okay? Okay, how much money you got, you can give a person with a poor mindset a million dollars, and in two weeks they will be poor again. Because your habits set you up for success. It's not your goals. It's the systems that you create, the systems that are created, the systems that you work in your life. They either set you up for failure or success. Many of us have not been able to prevail because we've been operating on the wrong systems for far too long. Asking God to bless us when we have poor systems. Not realizing you're already blessed. You just don't know how to maintain the blessing. Come on, somebody. So we talked about that first, the first week. That last week, we talked about a community of prevailers. How many of you know that we don't prevail if we're not together? If we're separated and div divided all the time and arguing, left versus white, uh, conservative versus liberal, all this mess, if we don't come together, we'll never prevail. We talked about the early church, how they cared for one another. They didn't, they didn't care about your, your belief system and all this stuff. They cared for one another. They were together. 
They walked with each other. They helped each other. They lived in, 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 in unity. And they helped one another. And a lot of times in church, you know, and we talk, you know, because the church is quite divided right now. And some people are like, you know, I don't want to deal with these, uh, these liberals and I don't want to deal with these conservatives and, and whatever it may be. It's not kingdom. If we approach a, our gospel, if we preach a gospel that is two-sided, that has a two-sided approach, it is not kingdom. Because in God, there's only one gospel. There's only one word that matters. That's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, the Bible explains it, loves every single person on this earth. Well, they don't follow Jesus. He still loves them. And we I don't know why that's hard to accept, but so we talked about community prevalence last week. We talked about that. But this week we're talking about generationally prevalence. Somebody say generational prevalence. I mean, you know, if we don't prevail generationally, everything we do will die with us. And that's not what God has for us. In modern society, many of us have very little sense or appreciation for heritage. We love traditions. We'll carry on recipes, <laughs> events, ways of doing things, etc. But we lack very little awareness of heritage. Heritage is it's defined as this. Listen, I wrote this down. It's a person's unique, inherited sense of family identity, the values, traditions, culture, and artifacts handed down by previous generations. Some families define their heritage primarily as their ethnic, cultural, or national identity. Although it's, popularly, uh, although it's popularity is steadily increasing, much of the people that actually do uh, appreciate heritage, they do it for a hobby, or it's a cool gift that you get on, you know, Christmas. Amen? <laughs> Anybody ever got them gifts? Or it's to prove a point. For example, is the kid mine? Somebody say Billy Jean. <laughs> For the most part, however, there are many people who don't even know the names of their great or great-great-grandparents, where they came from, what they love to do, what they did, how they love, how they got here, any of that. They don't have a clue about their heritage. Can I go deeper? I need y'all to talk to me, church. Can I go deeper? If y'all online, I need you to type because they ain't talking to me in here. They, they let me hang out by myself today. I don't know why. I'm going to go deeper. Furthermore, because of the magnitude of church hurt that has devastated many in the faith, we find that there's, uh, for many, a break in the appreciation of our spiritual heritage as well. Because we've been rejected, tossed aside, mistreated, abused, and so on, many of us have chosen to disassociate with our, uh, our spiritual heritage altogether. And we do that and we forget 
the wonderful things that we were part of when we first encountered the, the, the amazing grace and unconditional love of God. And for many of us, our, our spiritual heritage, although it's rough around the edges, it, it, it afforded us and allowed us to experience life change that we never could have experienced before. For a lot of us, if we sat down and really thought about it and considered things, we would realize that, that our spiritual heritage shows where everything in our life shifted. Somebody say it shifted. But because of church hurt, because of all the things, we, we see a downfall or, or, or a disregard or a, or a disconnection of many from their spiritual heritage. This is why I say nowadays, if you talk to an atheist, more than likely they are church hurt. You talk to somebody who don't want to go to church no more, who ain't got nothing to do with God, it's probably because they got hurt in the church. Hello. I know we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that truth. And pastors, most of us be hurting folk and just try to move on. But we got to stop doing that. We got to start getting in the fight with our people. Start walking through them with them through trials. We talked about this last week. I told you we got to get with folk. We can't be scared of things that are going on with people. Yes, people have stuff going on. And we can't deny that there's stuff happening, mental things, all the stuff. 2020 taught us that. And if we don't get in the fight with our people, we will lose them. As we look into the context of our story, we recognize that genealogies were a deep, integral part of the Jewish society at the time of Jesus. Land was inherited based on family lines. And those who could not prove their ancestry were considered outsiders. They had a deep appreciation for heritage. But see, today, because nowadays, because of our indifference toward heritage, most of us skip right over the genealogy scriptures. When we see that the, the begats, begats, <laughs> Jesse begat, <laughs> Can you imagine having to go to school and tell that? Who's your dad? My dad. Rich begat me. <laughs> You're like, what? Uh, we skip right over that because, you know, the begats are not that fascinating. They're not much fascinating reading. We don't really like to read about genealogies. But don't disregard them because God has a reason for everything that he puts in the scripture. Amen? even the genealogy of Jesus. A few years ago, I was able to take part in uh, 23andMe. It was a gift that I requested, and I didn't know, you know if I would actually get it, but I requested it, and when I first took the test, at first I was like, eh, I'm not really interested, but then as I uncovered and read about how my DNA traces back to some pretty incredible ancestry, it became very intriguing. And it's kind of been on my mind as I was prepping this message. Another thing is this week, as many of you know, 
uh, may already know, a general in the faith who is my spiritual father, and I don't say that lightly, uh, he stepped into eternity. And as heartbroken as I've been, through the pain and tears, all week I got to sit and reflect on how God works in our lives. And I've been thinking about how the Lord works in our lives. So forgive me if this is not preachy, this is more teachy. I, I feel like I'm putting on my daddy coat today because I'm, I'm going to say some stuff that I think we need to hear. Amen? And I don't, I don't know that it is a really preachy thing, tone to this, but I'm going to say what I got to say. Today I want us to consider a few ways that God works through our lives. This ain't the only ways that he works, but these are the ways that we are discussing today. Amen? First thing is this. God works through our lives using instruction and teaching from fathers and mothers. Somebody say fathers and mothers. Whether that be natural father and mother, whether it be spiritual father and mother, he uses fathers and mothers and their instruction and their teaching to, uh, to work in our lives. Amen? Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 teaches us that a father and mother are necessary for the grace that we carry in our lives. Proverbs 1, 8, said, 8 through 9 says, uh, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. They are a grace, I mean, they are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Check this out. Instruction and teaching are necessary for generational principles to be carried throughout our lives. Amen? Sometimes you don't learn things if you don't like to receive instruction. Come on, somebody. You don't learn how to walk. If mama and daddy don't help you, come on. At least in the time that you should be learning how to walk. <laughs> instruction and teaching. Somebody say instruction and teaching. I like what the scripture says here. It says it's a garland to grace your head. A garland. And a garland in this time would have been recognized as a wreath or, or a feast of flowers Leaves or other materials, it's, it's kind of like what we do today, garland, right? But it was worn as an ornament or, in its, or it was worn as an ornament or as an honor to bring honor to something. Listen, it was worn as an ornament or something to bring honor to whatever it was on. Meaning... And this, just like this, back in the day, just like today, they would place these garlands on the head of the person who they determined to be a winner. If you think about all those statues, you see King David, you know, he's all, he got the garland on. It's because it was a, it was a sign of honor. Listen, the teaching and the instruction of mothers and fathers places honor on your life. It brings honor to you. It determines for you that you are a winner. 
Come on, somebody. And a lot of us have struggled with spiritual authority and, and natural authority. But let me tell you something. You cannot run from that authority because that authority is what brings honor to your life. And if we're going to prevail generationally, we have to begin to bring honor to our lives. But here's the flip of this thing. We are now becoming fathers and mothers, and we got to place honor on our children. Hello. What do you mean? I'm saying parents... Spiritual fathers, pastors, teachers, leaders, you got to get your instructions and teaching right. Hello. We be running around here saying all kinds of stuff. And most of our kids ain't got a foundation to stand on because we are crazy out of our mind. But let me give you some word of advice here. They are relying on our instruction and our teaching Amen? To bring honor to their lives. Not only that, it says that it'll be a garland of grace to your head and a chain to adorn around your neck. You know, sometimes I read scripture and I think, why did they say it that way? He said, listen to your father's instruction and your mother's teaching, right? Right? So he distinguished two different things here, father's instruction, mother's teaching. And then he said, they, they both are, are garland of grace, listen to this, to your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Distinguish me here. Grace to your head. Made me think, but not only that, not only is this instruction to bring honor, but it's also to correct your thinking It's to correct your thing. See, the Bible tells us, think on that which is honorable. Think on things above and not on things that deserve. Like, place your faith above and not below. Listen to me. Instruction from fathers and mothers. Instruction and teaching. It corrects your mindset. We carry the weight as fathers and mothers to make sure our children and the next generation have the right mind. Have the mind of God. Have the mind that considers the ways of the Lord, that considers the ways of our family, that considers the ways which are honorable that bring us honor. But then he goes on and says, it'll be a chain to adorn your neck. Listen to this. In a beautiful manner, necklaces or ornaments can be symbolic of elevating an individual or honoring an individual. Catch this, catch this. The instruction and teaching of mothers, of fathers and mothers have a way of elevating you. They have a way of bringing you a little bit higher. They have a way of raising the standards in your life for what God has placed on you. 
fathers and mothers, spiritual leaders, whoever it may be, we have got to begin to think about the next generation and we got to begin to think about how we are teaching them to raise the standard of God in their life. I'm sorry, I don't want my daughter dating any old body. It ain't going to happen. You know why? Because I'm going to set the standard through instruction and teaching on what a young man who, should, who wants to step to her should be like. Come on, somebody. I'm sorry my son ain't going to date any of Your daughter might be pretty, but she ain't going to get my son because I'm going to set a standard. His mom and I will set a standard of what he will be like and what she should be like. Now, I don't mean they, they got to do everything perfect and be like this. But let me tell you something. It ain't going to happen. My daughter already knows. She come on with a little slick Rick. Slick Rick, baby, got get out of my house. Quick. Slick Rick, exit quick. You feel what I'm saying? We got to learn how to say it. And it's not going to, I'm going to force her and I'm going to do this. But it's teaching. It's instruction. It's done through love and care and, 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 and time and quality time and sitting and dating and doing all these things. Because I begin to, sh listen, once you, once you understand your role as, as a spiritual father or a mother, natural father or mother, you understand it's not about what you say. It's how you act. Come on, somebody. Because a lot of times we, we try to, we, try, we say everything, but our, 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 our stuff don't line up. Hello. So there's that. The other way God works in our life, God provides demonstration for our faith through fathers and mothers. Hebrews 13, 7 says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and listen to this, and imitate their faith. Fathers and mothers, generational leaders, we have to understand we have a responsibility to provide a pure model that can be imitated for others to find Jesus. This is why the Bible says that we should live above reproach. Now, I know y'all listen to me like, Fred, I ain't never heard you teach like this. You're a grace preacher. I am a grace preacher. Yes, I love it. I would preach some grace all up and down. Come on, somebody. I am very much a grace preacher. I know that I can't attain any of this in my own works. That's the beauty of grace. None of this falls on me. I am who I am today only because of Christ. I will be who I am, will be because of Christ. My children will grow up to be whoever they will be because of Christ. I understand this. It's not my works, but it's the works of the Lord that will, that will set the record straight, that will cause this to go down the generations. Amen. But the Bible does give us instructions to help us along the way. Yes. So it tells us to live above reproach. It tells us to abstain from the very appearance of sin. It tells us all these things. It's not that he's trying to control you, but he's saying, listen, there is people with their eyes on you. 
And listen, you know as well as I know, when new people come into the church, they're looking and trying to figure out how to live this life and walk this walk. And if half of us is walking around looking like we don't have a clue what we're doing, guess what they're going to do? The Bible says over and over, it tells us to remember your leaders. Remember, they spoke the word of God. And a lot of us have been claiming the scripture and we've been running around here telling everybody about Jesus, but our way of life looks nothing like what we proclaim from day to day. You know, my disappointment with the church last year is how much we caved into fear. I understand that the pandemic and all this stuff is going on. There's a medical thing and all this, this, this. I get it. But I kept wondering sometimes myself, where is the church? We preach healing. We preach God is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a healer. He's a provider. He will take care of you. And then we're like, no, run. And I kept asking myself last year, where do we, where did we fall off? Do we not really believe the word that we preach? And the world watches us. The world watches us. We argued and fussed and fought and did all the stuff in 2020 and the world was watching. We don't want people to imitate what happened last year. Come on, somebody. The church, we got to step up. God provides demonstration for our faith. We are demonstrating our faith. It's more than the words we say. It's demonstration. It goes a long way. Amen? God provides protection for our lives through fathers and mothers. If you have a daughter, you already know this is true. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Oh, we don't want to hear them words. Oh, obey and submit. What? Some, some of y'all just clicked off. Whoa, wait a minute. Too, that's too heavy right there, Pastor. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. Did you hear what he said? He said, Obey your leaders and submit to them now. No, we don't want to hear that. But this is why he said, do this because they are keeping watch over your soul so they can give an account on your behalf. So they can speak up on you, so they can be in your corner, so they can pray for you, so they can know, go before the Lord. See, most of y'all don't realize how much your, your pastor prays for you. Most of y'all don't realize how much your spiritual leader, your spiritual father, whoever it may be, prays for you. Most of you don't realize how much your parents pray for you. Come on, somebody. And he says, submit to them. We don't want to submit to nobody. I'll let, listen. Can I keep it 100? 
If you want to know somebody who got a problem with submitting to authority, he's looking at him right here. Come on. And, and when I was younger, whoo, Lord have mercy. Somebody called somebody, because this dude right here was out of control. When I was an intern with, with Bishop, listen to this, they, they told us not to date. They said, you can't date for a year. You know what I did? I got engaged on Christmas break. <laughs> Fred, we said don't date. You went in, you talking about getting married? It's a whole nother level, bro. Like, come on, somebody. Like, I know the struggle with submitting to authority and to leadership. I understand it. And, and, and it didn't come because I was, I, you know, it ain't like something that I grew up with and I just decided, no, I didn't grow up with my dad. So I struggle with this. And we have a generation right now of a lot of fatherless children who don't understand what authority looks like and what it means to have somebody watching over your soul and keeping it and being in your corner and, and going to bat for you. We got that going on. It's running rapid right now in our world. So we have to be patient with young people. Come on, leaders, we got to be patient. I told somebody, uh, one guy who wanted to be, who was saying they wanted to be my spiritual father, I said, here's the problem. I don't know how to be a son that well. And he looked at me, he's like, what? I said, I don't know. I never knew how to learn how to be a, a natural son, so I struggle with what it is to be a son. So you have to be the kind of father who can help teach and train me how to be a son. But you're going to have to be patient. Because I am rough around the edges. It's not that I do it intentionally. It's that because all my life I spent all this time figuring it out on my own and trying to make it. And when people reject me, I just move on. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time working through emotions. That's just the way my life has been. That's the way I was raised. That's the way I had to figure things out coming up. So I don't understand the concept of somebody watching over my soul. But it don't mean I don't need it. And spiritual fathers and mothers and, and natural fathers and mothers, listen to me. Especially you fathers out there, you need to get back to your children. Because they need us to nurture and guide and lead them in the ways of God. They need us right here, right now in this time. Spiritual fathers and mothers, you got to get out there and be patient with these young leaders who are coming up. And you got to be patient and you got to get in their corner. You got to say, I'm rooting you on. And you got to be strong enough to correct them. You ain't got to be impressed with them. You can correct them and love them and still be there for them. And that's what we need because if we're going to have generational prevailing, it can't stop with us. And we're in a day now where new leaders, they're emerging day by day. And most of them are emerging having been naturally fatherless and now spiritually fatherless. But the devil's lie, we got to change that. Because perfect protection comes through spirituals, uh, through fathers and mothers. In the times where I didn't have a clue what I was doing, I could pick up the phone and call my spiritual father. In the times where I was lost and 
angry or something, spiritual father. When I fired off at the mouth on Facebook, which happens quite a lot sometimes, amen, get that little text message, hey, bud, you all right? I'm good, Bishop. <laughs> we got to get back to, Father, this, it's gone. It's a lost art in the church. I understand why, but it is. Another thing is God provides uh, God's promises and blessings in our lives flows generationally. Listen to this. Catch this now. In about a dozen places in the Bible, the Lord God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because this name of God, it emphasizes the covenant that God made with Israel and the Israelites with Abraham. Hear me, hear me, listen, listen. This is what you got to understand. If God's going to bless you, he will bless you generationally. Amen? Amen? If God is wanting to do something through you, he wants to do it generationally. And this is why we read this genealogy today, because hear this. Imagine accurately tracing your ancestry back 4,000 years. And that's what our scripture today did for Jesus. His genealogy is recorded all the way to the back to the first man, Adam. It's not an insignificant detail. It is a crucial fulfillment of prophecy. Understand this. Adam's sin brought judgment and death into the world, but a Savior was promised. The seed of the woman who would strike the head of the serpent, Jesus Christ, is the last Adam. The promised seed of the woman, which Paul summarized. He says, listen, therefore, as one trespass led condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads, just, leads to justification and, for, and life for all men. Romans 5.18. Jesus is the Savior who was promised throughout history. The genealogy of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke shows him as the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and eventually David. These were men that these prophecies were made to. God made these prophecies, these promises. God promised Abraham that all nations would be blessed through his offspring, which ultimately was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So by understanding these gene genealogies, we also see that Jesus was a direct descendant of King David. And Jesus' genealogy was also a fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies and promises, which is demonstrated today. The promised Messiah would be the descendant of David and would one day rule on David's throne. What am I saying? 
generationally, God blesses and promises. See what happened with Jesus. He made a promise to Abraham and ultimately was fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled these and eventually will fulfill every prophecy in Scripture. He is the promised Messiah, the descendant of Abraham and David, our Savior who gave his life to redeem our sins. Amen? God fulfills his promises generationally. He always works generationally. He works generationally. Hear me. God works generationally. Pull down a little bit. He works generationally. So here's what I want you to understand. And I end with this. On January 28, 2018, my bishop, Bishop Tony Miller, said these words. He says, he said, I'm not the race. I'm just a leg of the race. Ladies and gentlemen, in person or online, if we are to prevail, if we are to have lasting influence, if we are to change the world, if we are to make impact like never before, we must start to think generationally. We must lay aside all of our selfish agendas and ways, and we must act on behalf of generations to come after us. We must live our lives linked to legacy. We must build, uh, we must build for our children and our children's children and our children's children's children on down the line. This is the way we prevail. We don't prevail if we build a legacy that dies with us. We prevail when our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, our wealth, our businesses, our churches, our health, our laughter, our joy, everything. We prevail when it outlives us, when it's passed down to the next generation. This is how we prevail. We got to start building now for our children so they can build for their children and they can build for their children because if it dies with you, it was never from God. time for us to get back get back to thinking outside of ourselves when we started this church when we uh, first started we, we were called the meeting place some of you know this, some of you may not and we built this church because you know I wanted to do something significant in this, in this community and And then some things happened, and then we ended up shutting down. And but then, um, as things begin to progress, and I begin to think about how I wanted the rest of my life to be, what I wanted to build, what I wanted my legacy to be. I came back to church planning. Now, y'all don't know, I've been trying to get away from church planning for a few different times. That's my wife. 
But the Lord kept bringing me back. He kept saying, I want you back in Greenwood. Like, this is, the, this is one of the things I've been hearing. I want you back in Greenwood. I'm like, Lord, I'm in Greenwood, and it's taking a long time. I'm going to need you to show up, do what you say you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember a conversation I had with, with uh, Bishop Tony. I know for some of y'all, you're like, man, you're talking about Bishop a lot today. Well, he just... In my spiritual father, he passed this week. Get over it. Um, I had a conversation with him, and I was telling him that we were going to restart the church. He said, he said, uh, where you going to go, bud? I said, in Greenville. He said, in Greenville? <laughs> I said, yep, Bishop. I said, I, I can't get away from the, the city, and I've tried, and you know I have. But the Lord keeps bringing me back here, and I, I just, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to give my life to. This is the legacy I'm supposed to build. This is the, the church I'm supposed to build to reach people. And he said to me, he said, this is all he said, I'm proud of you, bud. And I thought to my, you know, I, I have made a lot of decisions, and I've gone back and forth many different times. But I am settled, and this is what God has called me to give my life to the ministry work. So I'm not moved by how many people show up or how many people watch online. Because I know that God will do the work that he wants to do with whatever he wants to do with That's why 300 men can take out a whole army. Because God is not moved by what we offer or don't offer. Amen? He's moved by our obedience. As we close, I want, I want to play this video. Um, one is, is to honor uh, my bishop who passed away, but as I was uh, listening to, he came and preached when we were at the meeting place at our one year anniversary. And he, um, he preached at our one year anniversary. And as he was closing, uh, I began to listen to this as he was closing. This right here really caught me, these words that he spoke. And I want us to, I want us to listen to this today.
sent you there because I have a whole generation of people who I have to watch for for seven years who are going to go into a great time of drought and in a famine and I want them to know I'm their provider and you're going to be my man. That's why Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a desert because Moses thought he could deliver Israel with his gift but never understood why God gave it to him. He never understood why he had to be adopted. And he resented it. Until he got in the wilderness. God had to teach him the motivation that, listen, if I'd have left you in your house, you'd have been raised to be a slave. You'd have thought like a slave, act like a slave, dress like a slave, and talk like a slave. So I let you be adopted so you could be raised in a Pharaoh's house so you could think like a leader. You could act like a leader. You could make decisions like a leader. You could walk like one. You could talk like one. That's why you went through that, Moses, because I have a motivation that you're going to bring these people out of captivity. And I want you to understand, Moses, when you bring them out, don't believe it's because of your gift. It's because 400 years ago, I made a promise to Abraham that I would not let his descendants stay in captivity. And I'm fulfilling my word to Abraham, and you just happen to be the vessel that I'm using. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If God raises up the meeting place to be a strategic place in Greenville and in the greater upstate region, it's not just for you to feel like, wow, we are God's hot dogs. No, it's because the prayers of generations of people have looked for a church, a place where broken people could be put back together, where people of all colors and all races and all kinds of ethnicity and social backgrounds could come together and experience the presence of God. He refines motivation. Why do you want to build a great church? if it's never about them God won't let you succeed I said to my church last week my gift is not for me it's for you that's why he put it in my life it's not about me about who he sends me to because of what he wants to do in their life. So in the gap, when you feel like all hell's breaking loose, when you get in your secret place, it could be that God is refining motivation on why do you want to get out of here? Why do you want this to happen? Why do you want, will you not? I remember one day, am I doing okay? Can I have just a few more minutes? I remember one day God had promoted us. God had begun to let us see success. I was doing things and things were happening. It was almost like everything we touched turned to gold. And I went to a, a place of prayer and fasting like we're in the midst of right now in our church. And, and I was, I'd been three days praying and fasting. There's nothing significant about that. Please don't believe if you work my formula, you get my results. That's not, the, that's not the issue. But I just had been three days in a time of prayer and fasting. And I went to pray. And when I did, I saw in my spirit a great trophy. It was almost like a vision. I was by myself and I saw this trophy. And God said to me, that's what you're after. And I said, yes, I am. I'm after the trophy, the prize of the high calling. That's what I'm after. I want to be a champion for God. I want to win. I'm after the prize. 
And I saw a hand reach down and turn the trophy around. And written on the bottom of the trophy were the words selfish ambition. God said, you're after this because of what it'll make you. And when you come to a point where it's no longer about your reputation, it's no longer about who believes that you have all this giftedness, it's no longer about whoever is talking about you at the latest conference or whoever it is that's Facebooking about you. Facebook didn't exist then, but Facebooking about you all over the world. When it's no longer about you, but it's about what I want to do through you, then everything I've promised you can come to pass. I said, that day, Tony died. I died in that room that day. And I said, God, it's not about me. There's a promise over my life and that promise is to a generation. And if I will believe the report of the Lord, you will bear your arm of strength and bring it to pass. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. I think, I think I'm back. So I just wanted to, uh, I just want to encourage us today. Can you turn these lights on, Max? I want to encourage us today that uh, God wants to work through us. He wants to do something through us, and we have to remember that as leaders, as parents, even our young folk growing up, God wants to do work through you. Amen? Through you. We talked about this last week, being a conduit. He wants to get through you. When God wants to make a ripple in the earth, He wants to bring revival to the earth, He uses a person. Amen? And that's what God wants to do through us. Let me pray for us and then I'm going to let you go. Thank you, Lord, for Everybody in the sound of my voice, I pray that you will bless them. God, I pray today, God, that they would be blessed. And God, I pray that we would receive the blessings that were prayed for us from generations ago. God, that we would see the hand of your mighty works in our lives. God, let us find a deep appreciation for the spiritual heritage that's been instilled in us. And I pray right now for strength over your folks. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives and how you're changing who they are. That you're working in their hearts, God. Allow us, God, to be parents that think about the next generation. Let us be leaders that think about the next generation. Let us be people who are selfless, who think about the person next to us. Let us put our neighbor before ourselves. And Thank you for all that you're going to do in the lives of your folks. We love you so much and we honor you. I speak a blessing over, the, over my people this week, here and online. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.